It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And let me tell you, summer is here. It is fun. It is warm. There's lots of great things in the air. And this week, for the week of May 15th, 2013, as school is just coming to a close for show number 39, we have a special treat here for you this week because you may remember those days of school. You remember the days of recess. You may also remember Cruella DeVille, the mother from Roger Rabbit and Meg many other iconic characters, and we have the daughter of the one and only Paul Winchell. Yes, we have April Winchell stopping in here this week at Disney On Demand. April, who has a career that has spanned so many years with countless voices and roles that she has done, from Miss Finster on Recess all the way through Cruella DeVille and many others. She's going to be stopping in and talking about her career, how she got started in voice acting, and what it's like to do a variety of these iconic characters and voices from Clarabelle Cowell, Miss Finster, and many others. In addition, we have the D-Team back. That's right, we have the D-Team back here this week at Disney On Demand as we have Aaron stopping back in the virtual mailbag answering your questions with I Want to Know. And Aaron's going to be stopping in and talking about a variety of different things from Return to Oz and many other questions that all you D-Heads have. We also have Lexi, our D-Team member from Down Under, as she's going to be stopping in and talking about our special guest here this week, April Winchell. She's going to go deeper into this voice actress's uh, career her movies, her roles, and many other things that April has done. We also have Jason back as he's going downstairs into the vault, uncovering a new Disney DVD and Blu-ray that you want to add to your collection. And we also have a new D-Team member here with Randy with a multimedia segment where he's going to go deep into Disney's multimedia and all the different gaming options that you can have for your Disney fun. So we have a variety of things here this week, including news, hot off the D-wire, and many other goodies. So as we're kicking it off here this week, we have lots of fun, summer's in the air, and summer vacation is right around the corner. So with that, with the honor of having Miss Finster here, the one and only April Winchell, it's time to kick off show number 39 for the week of May 15th, 2013, with a little bit of recess. Let's take a break, and I'll be back shortly.
chocolatey Lucko Bar. Your luscious aroma can only be topped by your taste. Freeze, mister! Candy at recess is strictly verboten. But, but, but... Uh, Miss Finster, you don't understand. That milk chocolate is the dairy portion of Mikey's well-balanced lunch. That's right, ma'am. Mikey's candy bar contains trace elements of calcium. Ha! And your story is pure baloney. Hand it over. Adieu, Lucko Bar. Perhaps we'll meet again. Perhaps, Lumberg, but not on my watch. Man, Dave, we sure are making headway today. You said it, Sam. Hey, what's that? I can't believe it. The legends about this spot are true. You two, come out with your shovels up. This site is officially closed. Fill it back in, pat it down, and beat it. Hey, you're blocking my light, you big schemes. This is your second jaywalking violation in as many days. Oh, I oughta... Are you chewing gum? Um... No. The pockets. Empty. Finster just confiscated more candy from Skeens this time. At least my Lucko bar won't be lonely. Your candy's got plenty of company, Mikey. That sack of hers is filled to bursting, making this the perfect time to pull off the ultimate candy caper. You mean Operation Contraband Candy. Our target, Finster's hidden stash of confiscated candy and gum. With skill, guts, and a little luck, all that wrongfully seized candy will be back in the hands of kids like us. Finster will never know what hit. <laughs> <laughs> Some joke, huh, Miss Finster? A real knee slapper, Shecky. Hand it over. Disney Blues, Disney On Demand.
You're listening to Disney On Demand. It's Disney Blues. Disney On Demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I'm back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 39 for the week of May 15th, 2013. And like I said, the sun is shining, summer is right around the corner, and we have the one and only, the talented, the beautiful... April Winchell stopping in very shortly. Yes, I am excited for this. I mean, so many voices from Claire Bell Cow, Miss Finster, and more. I am excited for April to be stopping in shortly. And like I said, we have all kinds of fun here this week here at the show. But before I jump right into news hot off the D-wire, I do want to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected with us here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, archives, and more, and even listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney player, where you can listen to over 300-plus television shows, TV specials, movies, and more right there on our homepage. Definitely check it out, DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. You can also find us all over the social media networks on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand, Facebook.com slash Disney Blue. You can also find us on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, and more. Just search, yes, you guessed it, Disney Blue, and stay connected with us here at the show. Now, also, before I jump into news hot off the D-wire, I do want to put a call out to all of you D-heads. We are looking for many other people to join the D-team. You've heard the team here on the show. You've read the blogs from a variety of the D-team, and we want you to join up with us here at Disney On Demand. If you have an idea for an all-new segment, maybe you just want to be a writer for the site, we want to hear from you. So go to our website, DizRadio.com, drop us a line, and we are looking to expand our family if you want to become part of the D-Team. So, all of you D-heads, with all of that, all the formalities out of the way, it is time to just jump into the news. Yes, and there is a ton of news here this week here at Disney On Demand, so jumping right into it, hot off the D-wire, the biggest news here this week, how about Merida is officially coronated as the 11th Disney princess. Yes, we all know the famous redhead from the movie Brave, where it actually took a different take of a Disney princess, where she was rebellious and, you know, had this bow and arrow, and that was the biggest uprise within the Disney community here this week, where they gave her a makeover. Now, seriously, I do have to say, for all of you Disney fans, the makeover was nothing different. It wasn't something that was permanent. It wasn't something that was going to be established in the parks. It is the same makeover that they did with Cinderella, they did it with Mulan, they did it with Pocahontas, they've done it with all the princesses. Basically, it's a new illustrative style that gives her a look and a feel that they can put on all their marketing materials, bicycles and lunchboxes and things like that. So seriously, I think this uproar and craziness within the Disney community was just ridiculous. They weren't changing her as a character. They weren't changing the way she felt. She still came out. She was coronated as a princess. She did photos afterwards with her bow and arrow, the way she looks. It is just an illustrative style to sell more product. It's called marketing people. I mean, seriously, it is what they do. I mean, Cinderella looks nothing like the original Cinderella. If you're going to tell me that these fancy sparkly dresses or Ariel from The Little Mermaid aren't different takes of these famous Disney characters, then you're blind. But I do want to say congratulations because you know what? Now she is the 11th 
Disney princess. Yes, the brave star officially coronated. Now she is among many of the Disney princesses and myself having two princesses at home. You can't help but want more and more princesses and one that's a little more feisty than the others and definitely check out Brave. I love the film. I think it was a great story and you know, it truly was just a good story about, you know, parent and child relationship. Now, moving right along in news here this week, after my little tirade, I apologize, all of you D-heads out there. I usually shy away from my opinions here on the show, but uh, that one just rubbed me the wrong way. But this last week, now that Disney is a shareholder, owner, and more of Star Wars, we can't forget its creator and George Lucas has turned 69 this week. That's right, the legendary filmmaker George Lucas is 69 years old this week, and what better way to celebrate than going back and checking out a variety of different films from him. You can check out his original THX 1138, American Graffiti, Star Wars Trilogy, of course, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, all the different fun things, and you cannot forget this uh, pioneer in filmmaking, this man who, as much as many want to say he keeps control over his babies, you gotta wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, George Lucas. Without you, I wouldn't have grown up with Star Wars. I wouldn't have grown up with Indiana Jones. And most of all, I wouldn't be passing it down to my boys and my daughters now. Happy birthday. Now, shying away from the movies, the entertainment business, and all that kind of fun stuff, let's jump into the parks and how about Epcot. Yes, I love Epcot, and last week here at the show, we had the Dreamfinder, Ron Schneider, who did stop in. You may remember him from Journey into Imagination, and Epcot and Epcot Center are truly fun places to go. I still always add that center after it. It is a hard habit to break. But Epcot's Food & Wine Festival has now added Scotland to its lineup. Yes, the Walt Disney World lineup for the 2013 Epcot International Food and Wine Festival is now going to include Scotland that the Orlando Sentinel has reported. Now the festival which is set to run September 27th through November 11th and it is a fun time boasts more than 25 international marketplaces. Now the Scottish marketplace is going to feature traditional flavors as well as beer, meads and scotch. Now other additions to this year's festival include the return of Brazil to the marketplace once again, as well as the Hawaii marketplace and Terra, which featured a dish called Trick and Chicken, a plant and soy-based meatless strip similar to chicken breast with curry sauce served with balsamic rice. Now this is definitely going to be fun. Epcot's International Food and Wine Festival hitting up September 27th through November 11th. I know we will be there as I'm taking my family back down to Orlando for the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party once again. So definitely check it out now with the addition of Scotland. Now, if you don't notice the connection, maybe it's just me, but come on. We have the newest Disney princess and Scotland getting added to the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Put two and two together. Now, moving away from the parks, let's get into the small screen. How about Disney's ABC adding Avengers to its lineup? That's right, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from producer Joss Whedon is going to be airing Tuesdays at 8 p.m. ABC is officially released this week in a statement that they have put out as press to all of us. Now, the network and other broadcasters are showing their lineups to advertisers this week in the annual event known as The Upfronts. Now, The Upfronts is a spot where they announce a lot of things, and us as TV fans, we always get excited and 
You know, we post a lot of Twitter feeds and blog posts and Facebook posts. But really what the Upfronts is, is it's a chance for all of these different uh, TV stations to nail down key sponsors, advertisers, commercial slots, pretty much the people that help the TV series go. Now, the action series marks an effort by the network to draw more young male viewers in its elusive group on broadcast TV. Now, lately, a lot of their television shows are more geared towards women. And what they want to do is they want to bring in that male demographic, with about 65% of ABC's viewers being female. Now, in this TV show, S.H.I.E.L.D., Clark Gregg reprises the role of Agent Phil from the Marvel films. He assembles a group of agents who are going to protect the public from strange occurrences around the world. Now, the time slot is going to pit the show against CBS's NCIS, the most-watched television drama on TV. But I do see ABC closing in on this since all the other NCIS's have now had their final seasons going off the air, they're not getting renewed, and the original NCIS is the only one left. Now, as they put it, our job is to be inclusive. The president of ABC Entertainment Group has told a variety of different reporters, and what they're going to do is really focus on this male demographic. And bringing in people that were connected with the Marvel films is really going to help. So definitely look for it this fall on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, sticking with the small screen and kind of moving into the big screen, Bella Thorne, who we all know from Disney Channel's popular show, Shake It Up, is now heading to South Africa to film an all-new movie called Blended. Yes, the Disney Channel actress has now headed to Africa to start filming her new movie role, Blended. Now, according to many reports, this is a film called Blended that's going to have Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore starring in the film as two single parents who end up spending time at a resort with their kids. During this time, the romance is waiting to happen, and the 15-year-old actress snagged the role of Adam Sandler's daughter in the new flick. Now, Bella Thorne, who is quite the fashionista, according to a variety of people, in terms of, uh, I guess, the younger trends, popularity, and really just, uh, you know, setting the trend in terms of styles within the 15-year-old demographic, she is going to be bringing that flair to the film. Now, the film is set to start filming all summer long with a fall release. Now, the Disney star has noted that she said, I am here. It was a long trip. But now, Africa is very beautiful. I'm excited to film this new movie role, and I'll be posting pics soon. So this is a great film coming up. Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler. You know, hopefully Adam Sandler can recapture some of that uh, past days of glory because uh, he has been falling from grace lately, uh, you know, in the movie ratings. But Bella Thorne, Disney's Shake It Up actress, is now in Africa filming the all-new film Blended with Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. Now, shying away from the big screen TV and all that kind of fun stuff, how about we head into some live action stuff? And how about Disney Junior Live on Tour? Pirates and Princesses. That's right, the Disney Junior Live on Tour is always a fun, fun event. I take my kids to it all the time every year. Well, Feld Entertainment, producers of Disney on Ice and Disney Live, are taking the top performing cable TV series for preschoolers, Sophia the First and Jake and the Neverland Pirates, with Disney Junior Live on Tour, Pirate and Princess Adventure. Now, this is officially going to be kicking off in July on a 90-city national tour, and it's going to be going on for a variety of different tours, stops, locations, and more. As I put it, 90 city 
national tour kicking off in July. Now, as they have released the Feld Entertainment mission of providing quality live entertainment experiences that the entire family enjoys, start with Disney Live, because it is often a young fan's first theatrical experience. Alana Feld of Feld Entertainment has released. She also mentioned that children everywhere are falling in love with Sophia and Jake, and we are thrilled to bring these popular Disney Junior characters to life on stage for the very first time. In this original storyline, Mickey and Minnie lead the audience on an exciting adventure, rooting for their favorite pirate Jake and Disney's first little girl princess, Sophia. Now, audiences are going to embark on a journey into a magical world of Enchantia, where Sophia and her step-siblings, Amber and James, and the entire kingdom are preparing for an annual friendship festival. Now that's going to head on over to Jake and the Neverland Pirates and the excitement is going to continue in Act 2 where families can cast away to Neverland where Jake and his Yoho pirate friends Izzy and Cubby are in a race against time to locate the mysterious treasure-filled volcano and dangers lurking around every corner including Captain Hook. If you want to find out more about this, the locations, when it's going to be coming to your town, your city, you can definitely check it out more at feldentertainment.com. You can also see the official write-up on our official website at disradio.com. Now, since news is all over on the D-Wire here this week, we have tons of news here this week, let's get into something that's just a little more fun. Everybody is excited for Monster University to come out. A variety of our guests from the show are part of Monster University, from John Kassir and the upcoming today, April Winchell is part of Monster University as well. Well, Monster University is going to be hitting theaters very soon with a June 21st release. Well, Disney's Mike and Sully have now donned the monster-sized milk mustaches in the new Got Milk ad campaign. That's right, Disney and Pixar's Monster University has taken everyone's favorite scare pair, Mike Wazowski and James Sullivan Sully, back to their college days, where they learned that nothing scares up successful days more than a breakfast with milk. And a glass of milk with 8 grams of high-quality protein in each 8-ounce serving can help power your monster days. I think I just did an advertisement for milk. Anyways, Sully and Mike have the new Got Milk ad campaign. Now, the new Milk Mustache ad features Mike and Sully from their days as MU co-eds sporting the iconic Milk Mustaches. Now, the ad being released in advance of the film's June 21st release date reads, Scare up some protein monster day start with milk at breakfast. Got Milk. You can find out more about this. Definitely check out the ad at facebook.com slash milk mustache. You can also follow them at milk mustache on Twitter. And you can see this ad on our official website at disradio.com and also on our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash Disney on demand. Now, stepping aside from milk and that wonderful tasty treat, mind you, as much as I just did an ad for milk, I am drinking a big, gigantic glass of strawberry milk right now here in the studio. I love Nestle strawberry milk. The powder, put it in, make it as strawberry as can be. Tasty, tasty, tasty. Anyways, moving aside, I'm not setting any records here for drinking milk or any of that kind of fun stuff, but the newest Guinness Book of World Record title has been presented to Tommy for the world's tallest toy train track using Disney's Chuckington tracks. Yes, Tommy, the maker of the innovative Chuckington Stack Track railway system, set an all-new Guinness Book of World Records title for the tallest toy train track on May 11th this past Saturday. Now, the record-setting train track constructed with Chuggington Stack Tracks, a durable die-cast railway system that enables kids to build vertical toy train layouts, towered at over 17 feet 4 inches tall. Now, in order to set the Guinness
Guinness Book of World Records title, the world's tallest toy train track, Tommy master builder Jason Moreno and his helpers needed to construct a layout utilizing a Chuggington stack track diecast railway track that met or exceeded 9 feet by 8 inches in height and using a commercially available Chuggington stack track diecast railway system had to use. Now they have towered that, they've toppled that with over 17 feet 4 inches long. As they have put it when they asked Tommy right there, this is a very exciting achievement for our company and Chuggington Stack Track. Willie Wilkoff, Tommy's VP of Marketing, has mentioned. Now Tommy Master Builder Jason Morano has added, I went into the build being 100% confident that we could set the world record. I'm saying it's not going to be easy, but I'm not going to stop until we do that. Now they have done this over the course of five hours using more than a thousand track pieces. He mentioned that it was exhilarating and when the train finally made its way through the over 140 spiring turns all the way to the bottom, you could hear cheers and screams all the way at the bottom of the track at Grand Central Terminal. If you want to find out more about this, the Guinness Book of World Records and more, you can find out more at GrandCentralTerminal.com, Chuggington.com, and Tommy.com. That's T-O-M-Y. Now shifting away from world records and all that kind of fun stuff, how about getting into some Blu-rays and my neighbor Totoro having its 25th anniversary Blu-ray edition. Now this is getting released on May 21st. We have our copy here in the studios and I'm going to be doing a review of that on our official website sometime here within the next week. Well, Disney is probably celebrating the 25th anniversary of my neighbor Totoro, the acclaimed film about the magical friendship of sisterhood from the Academy Award winning director Harayo Mizaki, who did the best animated feature in 2002 with Spirited Away. Now, the film's Blu-ray debut is going to be hitting on May 21st, which is just coming up in a couple of days. Now, arriving for the first time on Disney Blu-ray with spectacular new high-definition digital transfers is the new anticipated My Neighbor Totoro. Now, hailed as one of the most beloved of family films by Roger Ebert, the late Roger Ebert, is a heartwarming tale of sisters, voiced by Dakota Fanning and Elle Fanning, True Life Sisters. Much to their delight, when the four-year-old sister May moves into a new home on the countryside, they discover that their new neighbor is a mysterious forest spirit called Totoro, who can only be seen through the eyes of children. Now, Totoro introduces them to extraordinary characters, settings, and more, and most of all, helps these two sisters go through a wonderful journey together. Now the film is cast with some great talent, like I said, including Dakota Fanning, Elle Fanning, and Timothy Daly, and a variety of others, and definitely look for it on May 21st, My Neighbor Totoro. So all of you D-heads, with that, we have even more off the D-wire, but I'm gonna take a break here, I'm gonna keep chugging my strawberry milk, and I'm gonna release the reins, because every single week, all of you D-heads are always asking a variety of questions. You're always asking a variety of different things to us. Have we found this? Do we know where we can find this film? Or other things. And you know what? We've pushed those off to the D-team. Yes, our D-team member, Aaron. And he's gonna jump into the virtual mailbag here shortly with I Want to Know, answering a variety of your questions. And we have April Winchell waiting in the wings. Yes, the one and only iconic voice actress is going to be stopping in here on the show. 
very shortly as well. So before I let you go, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is sponsored by Pixie Vacations. And right now you can book your trip and get free dining. And the agents at Pixie Vacations can help you with your Walt Disney World trip, Disneyland, Disney Cruises, or Adventures by Disney. And they are knowledgeable agents that can help you plan your trips 100% and help you get the most out of your Disney vacation for you and your family. Definitely check them out at their official website at PixieVacations.com. And you can also find that link right there on our homepage at DizRadio.com. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to take a break, release the reins to Aaron. We're going to have some more magic, some fun, some memories. And next time you hear me, we're going to have more Hot Off the D-Wire. D-Heads, when you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. And have a magical day. Tapers, I sure do love fairs, especially going on all the rides. No, 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 baby Penny, it's much too little to go on the rides. Oh, look, a psychic. Roger, I'm going to have my palm read, so you stay here and watch Baby Herbie. Huh? No, no, not that. Anything but that. <laughs> Please, Tom, Roger, do you stay here with Baby, or it's rabbit stew for dinner. Okay, okay, anything you say, Mama Dearest. Why, you know me, I just love watching Baby. Why, I'm a regular super sitter. Boy, that was close! Let off the ride, you tie your balloon up! Hey, D-Heads. This is Aaron. Welcome back to another installment of I Want to Know. We have some more great questions this week, so let's reach into the virtual mailbag and see what we have. Our first question is from Janice. She asks, 
Don Knotts is a Disney staple. Just how many films has he done for Disney? Were there any more successful or more known than others? I know my personal favorite is No Deposit, No Return. Well, I think everybody knows of Don Knotts. Don Knotts was a great actor and a favorite of mine growing up. He's best known for his role as Deputy Barney Fife on The Andy Griffith Show. Who can forget his role as the landlord, Ralph Furley, on Three's Company? What a comedic genius. In fact, he won five Emmy Awards for Best Supporting Actor in a Television Comedy, one award each year he was on The Andy Griffith Show. He also starred in many great movies, too. One of my favorite movies of his is The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. If you love Don Knotts, this is a must-see in my opinion. Getting back to his Disney movies, two of his best and more known include The Apple Dumpling Gang in 1975 and The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again in 1979. The Apple Dumpling Gang was a hit at the box office and was the most successful Disney film of the 1970s. In October 1980, it became one of the first Disney movies to be released on videocassette. Remember those? It's also known as being the first film to feature the comedy duo of Don Knotts and Tim Conway. They developed different styles of pulling off their comedy. Conway's characters were usually the dumber of the two, which made Knotts the brains of the group, though they were both equally inept. Knotts also co-starred in several other Disney films, including Gus in 1976, No Deposit, No Return, also in 1976, Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo in 1977, and Hot Lead and Cold Feet in 1978. In 2005, he was the voice of Mayor Turkey Lurkey in Chicken Little. Knott's final role was in Air Buddies, the 2006 direct-to-video sequel of Air Bud, voicing the sheriff's deputy dog, Sniffer. How fitting he should end his career as a sheriff's deputy. I have to admit, I shed a tear the day he died October 24, 2006, as I'm sure many did. Our next question comes from Carrie, and she asks, is Return to Oz a sequel or based more off the series of Oz books? I like the film, but I'm not sure since my boyfriend and I often see it differently. He says it's more close to the books. I say it's a sequel only. Well, I'm more than happy to help settle your disagreement, but I'm afraid you're not going to like my answer, Carrie. Return to Oz is a 1985 film based on L. Frank Baum's Oz books, mainly The Marvelous Land of Oz, his third book, and Ozma of Oz, his fourth book. The story begins with Dorothy's return to the land of Oz and her discovery that the land has been destroyed. Upon her return, Dorothy alongside her chicken, Belina, is befriended by a group of new companions, including TikTok and Jack Pumpkinhead, who help her restore Oz to its former glory. MGM had no involvement in the film, however, a large fee was paid to use the ruby red slippers which were intellectual property of MGM at the time. In the books, Dorothy wore silver shoes. Return to Oz is considered by fans as a more faithful adaptation of the novel than the 1939 film The Wizard of Oz, and though it did poorly at the box office, it has established a cult following. Many considered the film content as too dark and intense for kids. Well, I kind of agree, but the older kids in your life, it's a good watch. So your boyfriend was correct, but remember Carrie, don't kill the messenger. Our final question this week comes from Disney Kitten and she asks, Many have noticed the little things added to the movie Enchanted, from Disney scenes to cameos by Disney actors and voice actors and so on. I know I have caught many, but what are they all? 
This is this is quite a tough one. There's no way to answer this question completely, but I think that's the fun of watching the movies and discovering these hidden gems. According to director Kevin Lima, thousands of references are made to past and future works of Disney. Yes, thousands. The writer Bill Kelly became obsessed with injecting Disney references to the plot. He derived the name of every character as well as anything that needed a name from past Disney films just to put more Disney references in the film. The ultimate goal of Enchanted, released in 2007, was to create a new franchise with Gazelle and to revive the old Disney classics. The plot focuses on Gazelle, a stereotypical Disney princess who is forced from her traditional animated world of Andalasia into the live-action world of New York City. So let's take a look at some of these hidden gems. Enchanted is the first full-length Disney live-action traditional animation hybrid since Disney's Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 1988. Out of the film's 107 minutes of running time, 10 of the approximately 13 minutes of animation are at the beginning of the film. Nima tried to cram every single piece of Disney iconic imagery that he could into the first 10 minutes, which were done in traditional cell animation as a tribute to past Disney fairy tale films such as Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The film also contained obvious homages to other Disney films of the distant past, such as Old Yeller, The Shaggy Dog, Swiss Family Robinson, Bon Voyage, and Savage Sam. As many of Disney's cell animation artists were laid off after the computer graphics boom of the late 1990s, the 13 minutes of animation were not done in-house, but by independent animator James Baxter. Baxter had previously worked for Walt Disney Feature Animation, bringing to life many memorable Disney animated characters like Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, Rafiki from The Lion King, and Quasimodo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Characters from past Disney films are openly seen, such as the appearances of Thumper and Flower from Bambi in the 2D animation portion of the film. The film's music was written by accomplished songwriter and composer Alan Minken, who has worked on a number of Disney films previously. Fellow composer Stephen Schwartz wrote the lyrics for six songs, also composed by Minken. Minken and Schwartz previously worked together on the songs for Pocahontas and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Most of the songs pay homage to previous Disney classics. There were several cameos from actresses who played characters in Disney films. They include Paige O'Hara, the voice of Belle from Beauty and the Beast, Jodie Benson, the voice of Ariel in The Little Mermaid and other Disney films, Judy Kuhn, the singing voice of Pocahontas, and Julie Andrews, who played Mary Poppins. Like I said, I have barely scratched the surface of the hidden gems in this film, so enjoy watching it and finding new ones. Well, that concludes this installment of I Want to Know. Keep those questions coming in with your name and location so I can give you credit. Thanks for the great questions, and we'll see you next week, D-Heads. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents a motion picture fantasy adventure beyond your fondest imagination. You'll be transported miraculously back to the enchanted land of Oz, that magical kingdom beloved by young and old for generations. It's just a yellow brick. No, Belina, you don't understand. 
this was the yellow brick road. You share with Dorothy Gale the shock of finding everything mysteriously changed. What's happened to everybody? And you'll delight with her discovery of four wonderful new friends who band together against a wicked queen and the dreaded Gnome King. This is the Oz you haven't seen before. And this is the Oz you'll want to visit again and again. From Walt Disney Pictures comes a whole new world of entertainment. Why don't we just fly back to Kansas? Return to Oz. friend Ron Schneider's got a wonderful book about me called From Dreamer to Dreamfinder that you should pick up. Uh, but in the meantime, you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> 
All right, LVD heads, so I'm back. Thank you, Aaron, once again. And if you want to find out more about Aaron and the entire D team, you can always check them out right there on our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. Just click the D team page right there, and you can find out more about myself, Lexi, Aaron, Jamie, Jason, everybody that is part of the D team. And you can even email Aaron right there through the website and ask him your own questions. And remember to submit your questions to Aaron. And I know a lot of you D heads out there there always email me directly through the website but try to email Aaron directly at erin at dizradio.com d-i-z radio.com so all of you d-heads we have a variety of things going on we have a fantastic show going on here this week a lot of things happening and coming up shortly we have the one and only april windchill stopping in here in the wings we have more from the d team so i'm gonna jump right back in to news hot off the d-wire and how about netflix and disney announcing a multi-year licensing agreement for the five popular disney jr and disney xd shows coming up on Netflix. That's right, Netflix and Disney have now announced that a new multi-year licensing agreement is going to make Netflix the exclusive United States subscription television service for all of the streaming shows for Disney Junior and Disney XD. Now, what is this going to include for you? All of us who do have Netflix and we love to stream Netflix constantly and many of our children love Netflix as well. This is going to include a variety of different Disney shows, including Jake and the Neverland Pirates and, of course, the popular Tron Uprising, as well as Handy Manny, Agent Oso, and Jojo Circus. And these are all going to be available to stream right now in your streaming Netflix queue. Disney and Netflix have shared a long, mutually beneficial relationship that expands on the incredible lineup of Disney content that is already available on Netflix. We are excited to bring Jake and the Neverland Pirates as well as a variety of different shows that are terrific for families, preschools, and members. If you are a Netflix streaming subscriber, definitely check it out. You can have a variety of these shows absolutely free for your children right now. Now, pushing along, getting into some more film and all that kind of fun news. Now, here at Disney On Demand, yes, we've interviewed a variety of different voice actors, a variety of people who have been here on the show. And although this isn't Disney, it is Disney, I guess, kind of voice related. But there's an all new documentary that is going to be released this fall called I Know That Voice. That's right. This is going to be featuring more than a hundred talented voice actors, many of which you have heard here on Disney On Demand from Jim Cummings, Rob Paulson. I mean, a variety of great voice actors. Now, I Know That Voice is a documentary that's going to reveal an exclusive inside look into the mysterious lives and humor behind the actors and the cartoon voices that many of us know. And this is getting released in fall of 2013. And this is going to be a true documentary that's going to look into their personal lives, what it takes to bring these to screen and more with over a hundred voice actors all coming together on one screen. So definitely be on the lookout for it. We're going to have the people that are behind this monumental film, I Know That Voice. Definitely check it out. Stay posted, stay connected, and we're going to give you more about this as it gets closer to release date. Now, getting back to the small screen and streaming, how about Disney's ABC to be the first streaming of live broadcast shows? That's right. Disney's ABC network is going to become the first broadcast network to stream its shows live online through an ongoing service starting with its viewers on its TV stations in New York and Philadelphia beginning this week. They're looking to expand to a variety of 
other markets over the course of the summer. Now, to promote its Watch ABC service through the end of June, Disney is allowing all viewers of its stations in New York and Philadelphia to watch live ABC programs online or mobile devices by downloading the Watch ABC app. Now, this app is initially going to allow users to be able to watch a variety of different services through Apple's iPad, iPhone, Kindle Fire, and later on Samsung Galaxy devices. Now, other networks are expected to follow Disney's lead, but this is a first in history where you can be able to watch the shows live streaming on these devices as they are airing on TV. Definitely check it out. You can download these apps absolutely free, and that's the Watch ABC app, and you can also get it as part of the Watch Disney XD, Disney Junior, Disney Channel, and Watch ESPN. Now, getting back to Shake It Up, we were talking about Bella Thorne and filming her first film. How about Disney Publishing Worldwide is now going to publish an advice book for tween girls written by Zendaya. Yes, the other Shake It Up star who's also been on Dancing with the Stars this past season. Now, everybody knows her as Bella Thorne's co-star in the Disney Channel show, Shake It Up. Now, Between You and Me is going to be published on August 6, 2013 under the Disney Hyperion Books imprint, and it's going to include personal photos, candid anecdotes, recipes, playlists, doodles, and more, including advice for tweens from the one and only Zendaya, as well as her father, stylist, co-stars, and more. Now, the book was co-written by Cheryl Burke, who has collaborated with dozens of celebrities on their memoirs. Now, as they have released, the tween years can be really fun and exciting, and they can also be a tough time in a girl's life. You're just finding your voice, your personal style. There's a lot of drama going on in relationships with other girls, parents, siblings, teachers, and discovering boys. We hope this book is going to help girls through the tougher part of their tween years and help them appreciate the fun parts. You can definitely check this out as it's hitting bookstands August 6, 2013, and you can find out more at DisneyPublishing.com. Now, since we are talking about Disney and Disney publishing, how about giving Disney another pat on the back as Disney Junior Block has now delivered the top three cable TV series in the key demographics. That is right. For another week in a row, the 24-hour, kid-driven, family-committed television network Disney Channel has swept major youth demographics for the third straight week between kids ages 2 to 11 kids ages 6 to 11 and tweens 9 to 14. Now this is the total viewers weekend airings with a variety of different shows from Shake It Up, Sophia the First and more and Disney Junior has now continued to keep that top spot for the third week in a row and a couple of weeks ago we already released that Nickelodeon is down 50% because Disney Channel and Disney Junior are just firing up the market. Congratulations to Disney once again there. So all of you D-heads, you know, there's a variety of other things that we are going to talk about here this week, but you know what? There's a lot of new products on the horizon and many other things, everything from Monster University deluxe figure play sets that are hitting Toys R Us here this week, the Haunted Mansion portrait frames, I mean, a variety of great products from the Monster University sneakers for boys, as well as the all-new Magic Mirror surrounded by all Disney princesses and a variety of different things. Might I add my absolute favorite, the Haunted Mansion Hourglass. But there's a lot of great products and more, and we're going to post those on our website throughout the week. So before I let you go, before I release the reins, we have a variety of people coming up here at Disney On Demand. We have Lexi, our D-team member from Down Under, and she's going to be stopping in here very shortly to give us more about our Disney special guest here this week, April Winchell, the daughter of Tigger himself, Paul Winchell. And April has a career that has spanned over a variety of films. You know her as Cruella DeVille. 
You also know her as Mrs. Finster, Clarabelle Cow, and a variety of others, and she's coming up very shortly. We have Lexi, our DT member from Down Under, who's going to be giving us more about her very shortly. We also have Jason, as he's going to be going down in the basement here at the DOD 76 Studios in the vault, giving you another Blu-ray and DVD for you to add to your collection. And we have a brand new DT member who's just getting his feet wet, learning the software, learning his way on how to speak in the studio, but he's bringing a brand new segment here this week that's talking all about Disney multimedia, gaming, and more. And we have Randy stopping in here as well very shortly. So a lot of fun things. So before I let you go, all of you D-heads, thank you once again for tuning in. I am excited. We have April Winchell in the horizon you guys keep tuning in every single week summer is right around the corner we're getting that much closer to our 50th live episode here i mean so many things i am excited just definitely remember to check us out at dizradio.com d-i-z radio.com and you know what i'm gonna stop my rambling my strawberry milk is gone i'm gonna rest release the reins to the d team and next time i am back we're gonna have clarabelle cow mrs finster and many other iconic voices with April Winchill stopping in with me. Be right back, all of you D-heads. Nobody wants to be a cat Because a cat's the only cat Who knows where it's at Everybody's picking up on that Z-line beat Cause everything else is obsolete Strict shoes Where with the horn makes you wish you weren't born Set music back to the caveman days. I've heard some corny birds who tried to sing. Still, a cat's the only cat who knows how to swing. Once the dick, long head dick, stuff like that. When everybody wants to be a cat, a square with a horn makes you wish you weren't born. Every time he plays, oh, a rinky dinky dinky. Square in the act, you can set music back to the caveman days. Oh, a rinky tinky tinky. Everybody wants to be a cat. Because a cat's the only cat who knows where it's at. When playing jazz, you always has a welcome mat. Because everybody thinks a swinging cat.
to turn me on Play your horn, don't spare the tone And blow a little soul into the tune Let's take it to another key Modulate and wait for me I'll take a few and live then pretty soon The other cats will all commence Congregating on the fence Beneath the alley's only light Where every note is out of sight Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a cat Hallelujah, everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a cat I'm telling you, everybody And their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Oh, how I love Christmas. Such a joyous celebration of capitalism. Anita, darling, how's that design coming along? I want to get it out in time for the Christmas sales. But, Cruella, it's Christmas Eve. Everyone's finished their shopping. Oh, tut, tut, there's always one or two last minute shoppers to gouge. Knock, knock. Merry Christmas, Corolla. Ready to go home, Anita? Roger. Oh, how's Lucky? What did that say? Oh, fine. He just had a pine needle stuck in his paw, that's all. How tragic. Okay, sympathy moment is over. Back to work, Anita. Work? But it's six o'clock. Don't lock horns with me, Rumproast. Just because it's the night before a silly holiday is no excuse for her to leave on time. Why can't she work late like the other 364 days of the year? Because it's not a silly holiday, it's Christmas Eve, you big... That... Cruella, I really would like to be home with the family tonight. Just this once. Oh, I see where this is going. Tonight you take off early, tomorrow you'll want to take off the whole day. Take, take, take! Oh, come on, Anita's been working around the clock for weeks. She is not working Christmas. You people don't have any Christmas spirit. Christmas is about giving, giving me more designs, more to sell, more of your time. Special guest is a wonderful voice actress, none other than the lovely April Winchell. We know April's voice from a range of different Disney projects, and I mean a huge range. First off, April is the current voice of Disney's Clarabelle the Cow. 
April has worked on TV, movie and even video game versions of Clarabelle, like in the Epic Mickey 2 video game. Just in case you need a little reminder, Clarabelle Cow was part of the original Mickey Mouse cartoon cast, a lovely lady that sometimes gets into silly situations. She is very lovable nonetheless. <laughs> I quite like her. April is a New York City native, but she has worked far and wide. April even had a weekly radio show on KFI in Los Angeles. As some of you may know, April Winchell is the daughter of the famous ventriloquist, voiceover artist and inventor Paul Winchell. Get this, Paul, April's father, was the original voice of Winnie the Pooh's best friend and our favourite, Tigger. <laughs> that is pretty cool. So, it is clear to see that a talented voice is in April's blood, as the passion for entertainment is part of her family. I think that that is awesome. Imagine having a voice artist, the voice of Tigger, as your father. The different characters could come to life all the time. Wow. <laughs> okay, so April has given her voice to a lot of characters over the years, on TV, in movies, and even in video games. We all love the Mickey Mouse Club, right? Well. Clarabelle the Count makes a number of appearances there. April has worked in a number of other Disney shows too, including various voices in Phineas and Ferb for the past couple of years, Mickey's Adventures in Wonderland, Kim Possible, Roger Rabbit, Disney's sing-along songs, Goof Troop, and even the Lilo and Stitch TV series. April's versatility is quite amazing. I don't know how she can make all these characters so fantastic, but I guess that shows the true talent that being a Disney family member has. <laughs> wow. April also gives her voice to a number of much-loved Disney characters in movies, including The Fox and the Hound 2 and Mulan 2. In the video gaming world, we can hear April as the Queen of Hearts in Connect Disneyland Adventure, and as other characters, including Clarabelle Cow, in Epic Mickey and Disney Think Fast. I really could continue the list of April's work for such a long time. It's incredible to see how fantastic her contribution to the world of animation is. Saying that April Winchell is a voice actor is almost an understatement. It's as though you could name a recent animated work and she's in it. I'm definitely impressed, and I think we're all pretty lucky to have such a talent like April here with us this week. Outside of Disney, April has worked on a number of cool characters, bringing a new and awesome tone each time. We can hear April in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated series, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, King of the Hill, and DreamWorks Ants. The Bratz TV series, Recess, Rocket Power, the list really does go on and on. So, just to highlight a few more of April's voice work achievements, she voiced characters in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Toy Story 2, and even the upcoming Monsters University. I have to say, that makes me just that little bit more excited to go out and see it. 
I can't wait. April also has lots of talents outside of voice work. She has done a lot of writing for advertising and entertainment over the years. April worked as a writer on The Roseanne Show. And how impressive is this? April has her own production company and has won every major award in advertising that you can get. It really doesn't get better than that, I guess. On top of all this, April is a successful comedian, being named one of the top 25 funniest people in LA. Wow, I can't believe the number of awards and accolades April has received. I definitely am impressed. It really is wonderful for our Disney family members to have their hard work appreciated and recognised in so many different ways. Here is something fairly unique. April is involved in an online sock puppet theatre at the moment where her true comedian comes out, so definitely check it out on her website. Just like a number of our other Disney family members, April is a big believer in giving back to the community as she does quite a bit of charity work. In October 2009, April established a quirky website called Regretsy.com. The website advertised and sold bizarre artwork in the name of raising money for charity. Pretty awesome, right? Between her wealth of voice work and bringing so many characters to life, and her charity work, I have to say, thank you April Winchell. Without you, Disney would definitely not be the same. Pete, you know we only play with the puppy outside, especially when Mommy's trying to sleep. Oh, but... Now you do make yourself scarce! Up and at him, PJ. I want to ask you about this. Every night when the full moon is bright Comes a horseman known as Zorro this old renegade carves a Z with his blade, a Z that stands for Zorro. Zorro, the fox so cunning and free. Zorro, who makes the sign of the Z. I seem to take flight when I catch the sight of Zorro. He's a friend of the weak and the poor and the meek, this very unique Senor Zorro. Zorro, I'll catch you wherever you be. Zorro, you're gone, but what do I see? A sea. The fox so cunning and free Zorro 
who makes the sign of the sea. help today. Let's see. Oh. Uh-oh. Clarabelle needs work on her muffin tossing. And I know just the mouse size to help her. Come on. Let's go. Uh. Hi, Clarabelle. Oh, Mickey, I've been tossing moo muffins all morning, but I can't seem to get even one up on my shelves. Well, I have a mouseker size that can improve your tossing. Follow me. Ooh, a beanbag toss. Fun! Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And with us here this week as we delve deeper into the people that make all the magic and the memories happen, we have a voice actress here, somebody who is no stranger to any of you Disney fans, somebody whose voice you have heard many times over on a variety of different animated features, TV series, and more. We have the talented, the beautiful April Winchell with us here this week. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Well, thank you. Thank you for that amazing introduction. <laughs> it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody of your talent, capabilities, and of course, um, you know, a voice that we've heard so many times over. It's just our honor to have you on. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, segging way right away, I guess, going into all the nuts and bolts of uh, your entire career here, uh, I guess being a voice actor is definitely a skilled trade. It's the kind of thing where it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of time, a lot of talent. I guess, how did you get started in voice acting and I guess knowing that this is the career that you wanted to pursue? Well, my, it was uh, kind of a family business. You know, my dad was a, was a voice actor also. My dad was the voice of Tigger and um, also I'm trying to think of some other of his bigger roles. He was uh, uh, Gargamel on the Smurfs and uh, Dick Dastardly from uh, the Wacky Races and one of the Banana Splits, and he, he did a lot of um, of uh, cartoons in the 70s for Hanna-Barbera during that great time where they did so many wonderful shows. And um, I had just always been interested in, in his work, and uh, he bought me a um, little tape recorder for my birthday one year, and I used to do, you know, pretty awful, admittedly, pretty awful imitations of, you know, impressions of famous <laughs> people. But I was just very interested in that. I was really interested in records. We used to have this thing called records a long time ago, <laughs> these black vinyl things we used to listen to. And there would, you know, lots of comedy albums and spoken word albums. And I was just really interested in that. And he had a, before he became a voiceover person, he had a very um, successful career in radio. And uh, so he had a lot of recordings of his old shows. I just found myself really interested in that world. And uh, I used to go with him to record, to watch him record his, his jobs. And... Um, uh, I mean, I never missed one. I was really fascinated by it. And when I was about, I think about 10 or 11, I went with him to a job, and um, the the hallway of the studio was lined with giant portraits of famous people that had worked at the studio. And I was walking through the halls, amusing myself, uh, doing terrible impersonations of these famous people. 
and there happened to be an agent there. It turned out it was my dad's agent uh, who was visiting him, and unbeknownst to me, he had been watching me for a while, and at the time, there was a real vogue for using kids to do kids' voices. It's not something we do now. Now they're all, you know, 50-year-old women, you know, playing little boys or whatever. <laughs> but uh, at the time, because, you know, they figured out they can't work you that much when you're a kid. You know, you have a, you only have a few hours you can work, and then they have to get a teacher. You know, an adult, it's not that big of a deal. You can work all day. So, uh, but at the time, this is what they were doing. They were using little kids to do kids' voices. And uh, there was a show being developed that they, he thought I would be good for. So he brought me in, and I read for it, and I got the job, and I got my union card when I was about, I think I was 10. So that's when it started, and um, it was just a fluke thing. I didn't know that I wanted that to be my career, um, but I really enjoyed it, and uh, and I, you know, I had, that had been a passion of mine, you know, all in school, reading aloud, being in plays, all that kind of thing. So um, that's when it uh, when it began, and it was just a really a lucky. Um, set of circumstances for me. Right. I mean, and that's the kind of thing where now, you know, all these years later, you've continued to, you know, develop this resume that truly is, you know, impressive. I mean, you know, many of these shows people have grown up with, others, you know, are passing it down to their children. Now, uh, with that, I guess, being in the studio and doing voice work, and like you said, it's something that you didn't know that you wanted to do. Well, I guess, you know, it's one of those things where it really does take a lot of talent and a lot of practicing. And like you said, you practiced a lot when you were younger. I guess what kind of warm-ups or rehearsals does it take when you're in the studio getting ready to, you know, record before the producers and everybody are hitting the button and saying, let's do this? Well, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Do you mean, you mean warm-ups at the moment or do you mean your, your an entire history of, of leading up to the job? I mean warm-ups at, warm at the moment. So if you're in the studio, it's, uh, you know, Friday morning and you're ready to go, you know, it's uh, everybody doesn't always wake up with the best voice first thing in the morning before that cup of coffee. I, I, I guess what, what does it take for that day? And then you get older and, you're, you know, the elasticity of your vocal cords change. You, you get a deeper register. So it's, it becomes, in a way, it's, it's kind of great because you can do uh, a lot of interesting characters in a deeper register when you get older. But in a way, it's, it can be more taxing, too. Jobs that were nothing for me a few years ago, I can feel myself getting a little hoarse after a few hours. Like Clarabelle, for example, <clears throat> on the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and, you know, the, all the Mickey Mouse you know, jobs that, that Clarabelle appears in, that voice was not a big deal. But now, um, you know, if I do that for a couple of hours, I start getting a little uh, tired, you know. So so uh, there's some of it that you can't really change. As you as you age, your voice just naturally changes and becomes things become a little harder to do. But there are things that you can do to make it easier. I'm doing a show right now called Wander Over Yonder um, that's going to be out in the uh, fall, and it's by uh, Craig McCracken and Lawrence. Lauren Faust, who did uh, uh, My Little Pony and um, uh, Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. It's like a really amazing husband and wife team. And uh, this particular role is, um, I play, you know, Jack McBrayer, who is uh, was on 30 Rock. He played the intern, uh, blonde, really funny actor. He, he's Wander, and I play his horse, Sylvia. And Sylvia is like a martial, mixed martial arts fighting, you know, always dragging him out of... Uh, of, you know, bad situations, and it's screaming. It's, you know, many hours of yelling and screaming and fighting every time I go in to do the job. By the way, it's my favorite job I've ever had. I love it. But <laughs> uh, that job, I really do have to warm up for. So I warm up in the car on the way there. I used to do a lot of musicals when I was younger, so I know, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with singing warm-ups, and so that's what I've been doing 
you know, all my life to get ready for the job. Um, but I notice as I get older, if <laughs> the work is more, you know, vocally taxing, I do have to warm up a little more. But usually that will do it, the, the singing, you know, doing your scales and that kind of thing. And by the time I get there, I'm pretty warmed up. Okay. You know, and I guess with, uh, you know, that variety of having that voice range and, you know, practicing, warming up and whatnot, like you said, you can get deeper registers or different parts or other things are more taxing. And that's going to lead me to a variety of the voices, like you've mentioned, like Claire Bell Cow, you've done Miss Finster on Recess. I guess how different is it working on characters with such different voice ranges, um, you know, for each one? I mean, it definitely sounds very different when you hear each of these characters i guess uh how hard or difficult is it working on uh you know characters with such different voice ranges well you know they sound different they are i mean they're they're very different characterizations but they're all in kind of a little vocal pocket that's comfortable so um finster for example uh that's uh, that sounds like it's much lower and much gruffer but that's really more about the the way you use your your lips and your face. When I went to when I went to um, audition for that role, there was a drawing of Miss Minster on the wall, and she was so jowly that that's where the voice came from. And I just made my you know what would I sound like if I if my face looked like that? So um, it sounds drastically different, but it's really very small little adjustments because you're all kind of in your comfort zone. I have. I have uh, voices outside of that comfort zone that I just don't even attempt. I, I rarely, almost never do children's voices because I, I'm not, my register's not there and it sounds kind of false. And I think that's why I get a lot of villain parts or, you know, mean witches or gargoyles or, you know, the screamers because that's just my little pocket, you know, where it's comfortable to, to be. But um, I don't do, you know, I've done a few moms. I mean, I was a mom in Pepper Ann and a couple of other moms. But, you know, that's a little closer to my own voice. But, again, that's just a range that I'm pretty comfortable in. So if you listen to actors that you like a lot and you listen to their, to their you know, uh, the, the state of voices that they're famous for, they are mostly in the same, they sound wildly different, but they're mostly in the same little range of comfort or would just be impossible to do every day. Okay, I mean, it makes complete sense. So that way, it's uh, you're not killing your vocal cords, and it, it still seems comfortable for you to be, you know, talking as uh, you know Miss Finster all day or something like that while you're in the studio. Yeah, that one that was not as hard as it sounded, but you know, screaming and uh, anything you know outside of that little range, uh, you know, high pitched noises, screaming, yelling, that kind of stuff can get sort of it can it can hurt after a little while. First, I don't know why Clarabelle makes my my voice tired sometimes i don't i mean sometimes i'll be fine with it so maybe it's just listening to it just makes me crazy i don't know but but uh that particular voice maybe because it's got that warble you know because she goes up and down like that maybe that's a that gets a little wearing but um but for the most part these are i don't have too much trouble you know you'll you know i remember i had an audition once when i was you know, really just starting out. And they wanted a, uh, I'll never forget this, they wanted a voice of a talking dog. And they didn't know, as many times when you go into these auditions, they didn't know what they wanted. They didn't know if it was a woman, it was a man, it was a kid, it was a teenager. Not, you know, not, it's completely normal. You know, you really, you want to keep your your options open because you may not have thought of something wonderful that somebody's going to come in and do. So I get that, but that's also the worst possible audition to go into where it's like, you know, just surprise me. Yeah, you know, I'm from New York, I'm from the South, I'm like, you're French, I don't know. So you, 
you know, you go through a lot of stuff and you're kind of on the spot trying to, you know, improvise, be spontaneous, but I tried something that I had not ever tried before that was not in my comfort range and I made myself cough and I got into like a coughing jag that I couldn't stop and uh, they were all looking at each other like, well, this is really not something that we we're going to want to hire and uh, and I didn't get that job. So I like to be, uh, I like to stay in a, in a, in a range of uh, sounds and, you know, and pitches where I know I'm not going to get a coughing jag and, and, you know, my hacking up a lung on the casting director. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess with that too, and, and like you said, staying within that range, that's going to lead me into my next question, which is, you know, working on, you know, characters that are very popular. You know, you were part of the 101 Dalmatians television series, you know, taking over Cruella DeVille as that part, you know, and Cruella has been played, you know, you have the original actress, you also have Suzanne Blakesley who does it. I guess, how is it taking over for a character um, like doing that series where it's a Disney character that Everybody knows. So it has a specific sound, a specific feel that it has to go to. I guess how difficult is it going into something like that is playing Cruella? Well, you know what? Let me give you, I'll give you two examples. The first one, Cruella, uh, I wanted that job so badly. I really, really wanted to play that character. And, um, you know, I try to be really philosophical about the parts that I audition for because most of the time, I think the ratio is like you get one job out of 40 auditions. So most of the time you don't get the job. So I try not to get too emotionally attached to the idea, but I really, really want to play that part. And when they first, you know, called me in, they said, we want a voice match. We want you to sound exactly like the woman in the movie. So I did it, and I took the movie, you know, I looked at the movie, and I studied it and worked with it, and I came in, and I did it. And they didn't hire me because they said I sounded too much like the woman in the movie, which I thought was really, you know, that's but that's how it works. There's a lot of people working on these projects, and... They get conflicting information and, you know, the specs change all the time. So it didn't happen. I was disappointed. So they hired um, uh, Tress McNeil, and she did a few episodes of it. And then they fired her because they said that she didn't sound enough like the woman in the movie. And then they hired <laughs> me back to play the woman in the movie. So so you just never know, you know, what they're, what they're looking for. At that point, I didn't feel a lot of um, obligation to, in any way because it was a new generation. It was an animated series, and so it was all kind of new. Um, but yes, you do know what she sounds like, and they wanted the character to sound close enough to the movie that I didn't feel like I was you know, disappointing anybody, but I sure was excited about that. And then the other example is Turk, which was the um, chimpanzee or the orangutan, I really don't know what it is, not think about it, on Tarzan, which was played by Rosie O'Donnell. And they wanted a voice match to sound exactly like Rosie O'Donnell, which I could get pretty close, but not not quite. She has a really specific kind of dialect that I couldn't quite nail. And um, they hired me anyway because in listening to the tapes, they decided that they wanted somebody who didn't sound exactly like Rosie O'Donnell characterization. So you never really know. You know, you just go in and do your best, and hopefully you, you what you what your best is jives with what their uh, ultimate vision is going to be. Now, I mean, I guess with that kind of thing, too, you know, like you said, with Cruella and having it being a new generation and all that kind of fun stuff, I guess working on characters, like you said, and Disney characters in particular, that's going to lead us into, you know, you've done so many characters, and some of them are definitely ones that you wouldn't have expected, like, uh, you know, playing Peg Pete on Goof Troop. Now, that's something I never would have expected that came from you, you know, looking at your resume and voice work. And, uh, you know, how was it playing, you know, such an iconic role as Peg Pete on, you know, this this series that now people pass down to their children because everybody loves Goof Troop? 
That was a great show, and that was my first um, series as an adult. I worked, you know, when I was a child, and then in between that and becoming an adult, I did, you know, some features and things like that, but I never had done it. That, that was my first adult series, and that was the most amazing cast. There was Jim Cummings, there was uh, Rob Paulson, Nancy Cartwright, uh, you know, just Bill Farmer, just amazing people on that show, and a great director, and uh, it was a really great experience. I was very happy about it, and that was one of those kind of serendipitous uh, things because was, at the time I was doing a um, a club act as this character that I had invented, which was sort of a burned out, you know, lounge singer from Vegas who was kind of flighty and a ditzy blonde and this kind of so it was sort of like this, you know, this theatrical thing that I was doing, and it, it was pretty successful. I had been doing the show for like six months at a club out here, and um, that's what she sounded like. She was just very, you know, she was very hot, very positive, and she was a little bit silly, you know. And, uh, but that, that, um, that turning on a dime thing where, you know, Peg would be really pleasant and then start screaming, that was just something that I threw in at the audition because the line, fortunately, was written that way that she had a kind of a big change of heart in the middle of the line. And so that was just a fluke, you know, and they, that's what they glommed onto and that's the thing that they liked. And so that, you know, that became, uh, that character, but again, when you think about it, that 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 flipping into rage is again right in that comfort zone, that gravelly, you know, where she would be fine and then start screaming at him. Right. I mean, that's the kind of character though, where it's it's a memorable character. It's it's the kind of thing where I just didn't expect that to be you. You know, looking at your resume of everything that you've done. Um, you know, and I guess that's going to bring me back to the studio, um, and many different things. You know, I mean, we've talked with a variety of people that you just said you've worked with, you know, Rob Paulson and Jim Cummings. They've all been guests on our show. And, uh, you know, everybody always has stories to tell. Now, when you're in the studio, there's always the laughing and the banter and, you know, having a good time. Is there any of those memories or moments that uh, we're never going to be able to hear? Do you have those moments of outtakes where you're like, I hope that one never gets out? Well, you do have it. You know, the, the engineers are usually very crafty, and then they'll, over the course of recording a series, they'll save your, you know, outbursts and craziness. And um, I, you very often will get an outtake reel at the end of the of the show. You know, when they do like a rap party, so I have a great recess rap reel of everybody, you know, losing their minds and being silly. And I have a, um, I have a couple from. I think I have one from almost every show I've done. So that I mean, they're very funny to listen to. But in terms of behind the scenes, I have never in my life laughed harder uh, than when I worked on The Mighty Ducks, which was, uh, that was the, the craziest show I ever worked on. I think it only lasted a season, and then they also did a movie. But um, the people on that show, Tim Curry, Brad Garrett, uh, just, you know, Jennifer Hale, um, we laughed so hard we cried. We could barely get through a session. And I remember, you know, you'd go in there for an hour, you'd be there for three, four hours because people just couldn't stop making jokes and they would bring, you know, nerf dart guns and shoot each other and throw things at the window and, you know, between you and the director. It was the rowdiest show that I've, I've ever worked on. And that, I, to this day, that is the craziest, uh, that, that's the craziest, uh, group of people and the craziest work stories I think that I have. It was a really fun show. Now, I guess, uh, you know, working on a variety of different shows, like you said, um, you know, you have an outstanding career in terms of your resume and whatnot, and many characters that you've uh, portrayed over the time. Now, are there, I guess, one or two projects that remain that extra special close to your heart that you've worked on? 
Well, you know, I, I, many. You know, I've had many experiences that that are are really special to me. Um, Roger Rabbit was really special. I did the uh, <clears throat> Mrs. Herman in the beginning. You just see her legs, and you know, be a good boy, Roger. I'm going to the beauty parlor. And then I get the baby, baby Herman, but not the gruff voice, you know, man. That was Lou Hirsch, I think. But I did all the baby sounds. And that was a fantastic job. And then they did all the shorts after that. They did Tummy Trouble and Roller Coaster Rabbit and Trail Mix-Up. So that was a job that was, you know, one or two days that went on for years. And I I got a lot of satisfaction, uh, you know, from that. I was really proud of being a part of that. And Miss uh, Finster is... Uh, one of my favorite shows ever. I was really happy with the work I did on that show, and I liked the people. And uh, I, and then they, you know, there was a feature, and I, so I got to go to a premiere, and that was really exciting. And uh, and then I would say this new show that I'm, I'm Pepper Ann was a great show. That was the first show I ever was exposed to that was sort of girl centric, and I liked that. I liked that it was you know they talked about training bras and girl things and. I, I had never seen a cartoon like that. I thought that that was kind of special for the, you know, for the genre, and I enjoyed doing that show quite a bit. And I played a lot of characters on that show, which was fun. And then this new show that I'm doing now, Wander Over Yonder, is a, this is my favorite show I've ever done. And I'm so, so happy to be doing it. The people involved are just incredible. And it took me a year to get that show. You know, I, I'm fortunate enough that I, I can be called in to do a lot of work, but I still have to audition for certain things. And this was a year of auditioning and re-auditioning and tests. And, you know, it was a lot of work to get it. And I'm so happy to be doing it. Tom Kenny is in it and just a really amazing group of people. So, Well, I mean, and with this, this show. special to me. Well, I was ready to say, with this show, when are we going to be able to uh, see a debut and premiere and, uh, you know, be able to hear your voice on this show that you're so excited for? They did a little uh, test or like a little sample at Comic-Con last year, which was really fun to see. And, um... We're in the middle of, I'm not sure how many episodes we've done so far, but I believe it'll be this fall. And, um, it's just, it's just wonderful. It's just, it's just a, it's a very funny show, but it's really, uh, they all have very uplifting kind of messages. It's a very positive sort of show. And, you know, Lauren and Craig are very much about doing positive, um, you know, television, and, and that's not something I've ever really been interested in. I mean, I really like the snarky stuff and the sarcastic stuff, and, and you know, this has some of that, but this has just has a feeling about it that, you know, you, you're watching it, you're entertained, and when it's over, you think, oh, that's a really, that's a really interesting message. That's, I've never seen a cartoon tell that before. It's very modern, you know, about everything from the internet to, uh, you know, to not letting people get under your skin and just stuff that I think is a, a neat thing for kids to, to hear about. So that should be in the fall, and I think it's going to be really great. The buzz is, is good, and people are really excited, and that always makes me happy. I mean, that's always a good thing, too, when, when you know, you premiere something at Comic-Con, the buzz is excited, and, of course, your fans are excited, which, you know, we've tackled so many things from your career. We know you're really busy, so we don't want to keep you too long. But, you know, before we let you go, uh, I guess, do you have any words of, uh, of wisdom or anything that you like to leave for your loyal fans out there that, you know, whenever they see your name pop up connected with it, they are definitely tuning in, and, uh, you know, they, they are there for you each and every step. Do you have anything that you'd like to leave for any of those uh, fans listening in? I am just really, really grateful. I really am. You know, I work in kind of a bubble. 
You know, it's sort of a vacuum environment. And you you go in and you do your lines and you often don't work with anybody else. You know, I think people have this vision that you go in with your entire cast and, every, you know, you, do, you, you act it out like a play and that's how you record it. And that rarely happens. It does happen sometimes and some casts prefer to work that way. But in my, in my experience, it doesn't happen very often. So you're really alone. You go into this room, you're by yourself, you're reading off a paper, you're not seeing the artwork, and it's a bubble, you know, and you kind of forget that anybody's listening or that you're making an impact on anyone. And then the show comes out or, the, you know, the project is released, and you start getting email from people who say, for example, I, you know, bought all of the DVDs of that show, and I watched it when I was recovering from cancer, or, you know, I lost my dad, and this was a really special thing that we shared on Saturday mornings, and I, I'm watching it again and having these good feelings, and you realize that you really, you know, you're not curing cancer here, you know what I mean? You're not doing, uh, you know, you're not, it's not medicine, but you really are making a contribution in some way. You're making people laugh, or you're making them forget their troubles, or just feel good or connect with their happy memories of their childhood, and it's a very, it's an honor, you know, it really is an honor, I don't want to sound cornball, but it is, it's an honor, and I'm really grateful that people allow me to do this job and uh, allow me to connect with them, and um, and that's that's probably the best part for me, is knowing that, uh, that I'm making someone somewhere feel something good. And uh, and you forget that when you're standing in that booth by yourself. So it's, it's, to be reminded is really gratifying, and I'm happy that I'm allowed to do it. Well, I mean, and that's the kind of thing where, like I said, you know, you have so many loyal fans out there. It's you know, it's truly an honor speaking with you. You know, I've watched a variety of your things growing up, and I pass it down to my children. You know, being a father of four, we've uh, shown them a variety of uh, things you've done as well. So you know, it was an honor. <laughs> you're probably sick and tired of listening to me by now. <laughs> <laughs> It it never it never gets old. It never gets tiring. It's uh it's always it's it's always fun. People ask me. They say, um, uh, "What do you do?" And I tell them, and they say, "Oh, what are what are you what have you done?" And I said, "Well, do you do you have kids?" Yes, you do. Yeah, how old are they? And they tell me they're little. You know, they're Mickey Mouse Clubhouse age or whatever. And I say, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Because <laughs> you probably have to listen to me like thirty times a day, singing or screaming or you know. So. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, it is an honor, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, people pass that on to their kids. It's nice. Well, it was our pleasure speaking with you. Uh, you know, it's truly an honor. We'll look uh, look for your new series coming out in the fall. Um, and then also, everybody, if they want to check you out, they can always check out aprilwinchill.com, your IMDb, a variety of different places. And uh, like I said, it truly was an honor, uh, you know, for letting us step in and, uh, you know, chit-chat with you for a little bit here this week. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Miska, Muska, Mickey Mouse!
great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Just a dream away. Well, it sounds pretty good. In fact, that's just the right spirit. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Identification. EC82. Confirm. Ahoy, D-heads, it's I, Jason. Welcome once again back to the vault. I'm very, very excited to know upstairs is the daughter of Tigger herself, April Winchell. Can you believe it? Not only does the voice run through the family, but her talents go right to the heart of the Disney magic itself. She has been in many items that you may or may not know. She took over for Rosie O'Donnell in The Legend of Tarzan. She featured her voice in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And of course, one of my favorites, lending her voice to that wonderful television series, Kim Possible. However, today we're going to delve into her early years in Disney film as we go into the vaults with the 1998 sequel to Pocahontas, Pocahontas 2, journey to a new world. Now I know we have already gone into the vast ocean blue that is the new world and talked about our friends in the Virginia Company. However, you do know that there is more to this story and we're going into it today. Some time has passed and of course it has to considering you are on a boat that has uh, no steam power or engines. John Smith has taken Governor Ratcliffe to England and of course as we know wants to be put on trial. Unfortunately John is ambushed by a group of soldiers and is wanted for his arrest. Arrest? Why he's done good. Ah, but it seems that Governor Ratcliffe has lied to King James. You know, personal friends and all and uses that buddy system to have John Smith framed as a traitor as opposed to the hero that he was. And Governor Ratcliffe tells King James still that he had declared war on the Powhatan tribe. In the confrontation that John Smith and the soldiers incur, it is assumed that John is dead. And this is unfortunate to all of us watching and those in the New World. But in order to make things right, King James decides to send a young diplomat John Rolfe to bring the chief back to England. Back on the other side of the pond, Pocahontas has discovered that John Smith has died. And how she discovered that so quickly, we will never know. It must be the colors of the wind. However, she has decided in the grand fashion to move on. And speaking of the winds of change, here comes John Rolfe, greeted by the new settlers of Jamestown and our dear friend Pocahontas. Upon their first meeting, Pocahontas is not too keen with Mr. Rolfe, and neither is John Rolfe a fan of Pocahontas. She not liking him and his take-charge manner, he not liking her because she's a free spirit. Not too long after John's arrival, he overhears some people discussing the true story of the almost war, and the story revolves primarily around Pocahontas where he assumes that Pocahontas means chief to the Potawans. Thinking he's doing right, he goes to a dance where he gives Pocahontas, or shall I say the mighty Pocahontas, a horse as a gift. Greatly confused, Pocahontas steps forward but admits that she is not the leader. The free spirit that she is finds that this is not the right time to do anything. But in Rolf's stubborn manner, 
he gives her an ultimatum. Either she goes, or war breaks out. With an ultimatum that high, Pocahontas decides to go. But not before she takes advice and solace from Grandmother Willow. She, of course, tells her to listen to her heart and listen to the spirit within. In doing so, Pocahontas agrees that she must go and off to England with Miko, Flit, and Percy along the way and their chief's bodyguard. And of course she has to go because quite frankly, it would be a very short movie had she not decided to go on the boat. And her first encounter on the boat, she may have decided to just go back considering she's nearly arrested, thinking that she's a stowaway. But it's Rolf who saves her, comes to her in agreement and all is well once again. The ship docks into England where Pocahontas is startled and surprised at this new world to her. But it is now time for old friends to meet, and Governor Ratcliffe sees who has stepped off the boat. It is not the chief of the Powhatan tribe, but the lowly girl he knew as Pocahontas. Still playing his devilish games, he hands over a proclamation signed by King James to Rolf, telling him that there still will be war set sail to the new world if he is not pleased with the way this new ambassador has been brought to England. A little startled, Rolf agrees and takes Pocahontas to her home away from home. While Mrs. Jenkins takes care of Pocahontas, John Rolf goes over to the king and discusses the latest changes to the deal. The new deal, much to Rolf's disgust, is now to civilize Pocahontas, bringing her into a lady, and to do so, it must be done at the Hunt Ball. If she is not civilized or an English woman, by the end of this evening, the Armado will still set sail and destroy the Powhatan tribe. Rolf tells Pocahontas of the deal. Rolf, doubtful, Pocahontas, well, as the free spirit she is, is determined to make King James eat his words. Pocahontas does everything that she can and believes is the right thing to do. John's on dresses, takes dancing lessons, learns the local etiquette, the ball goes off as planned, and things seem to be working well. The king seems flattered, the queen is pleased, Ratcliffe is not. Still the cunning man that he is, he knows there's one thing that will bother Pocahontas, and that is the bear baiting, or a cruel animal competition. Outraged, Pocahontas slashes out verbally and accuses the king of savagery. King James mocks and laughs, accusing her of the same thing only by defending the bear not to be mocked or to be belittled. King James arrests Pocahontas and her bodyguard and orders their execution. All of this done by Ratcliffe's suggestion. Later that night, Rolf, feeling defeated, meets up with a hooded stranger who helps in the jailbreak of Pocahontas and friends. Together, this merry group of misfits, I suppose you could say, gather in a cabin in the woods. Not that cabin in the woods by Joss Whedon. No, totally different one and the hooded man is revealed to be John Smith. See, I told you you couldn't have a good love story without, well, John Smith, John Rolfe. Wait, this is becoming a love triangle, isn't it? Because there, John Smith admits he does still have feelings for Pocahontas and is going to do anything he can to keep her safe and hidden. But it's John Rolfe who finally listens to what Pocahontas has to say and believes that she needs to follow her heart and save her people. It is then that John Smith realizes that Rolfe is not doing this for the good of the country, but for the love of Pocahontas. 
And Pocahontas does just what she feels. She follows her heart, washes the powder from her face, and goes in front of the king and queen to tell them the truth of everything. As she gathers in front of the court, John Smith comes with. And it's soon then that the king realizes that his right-hand man, Ratcliffe, has not been telling the right story all along. I mean, I guess it would be easier if he would just pop in the DVD and watch the last film. But, you know, kind of technology, a little bit behind. So the king now knows the true story, that Pocahontas and John Smith were the true heroes, and Ratcliffe was the man behind the dastardly deeds. It's our new man that tells the king to stop the armada from leaving the docks. They run out, and after a few punches, kicks, and a few people overboard, the armada is eventually stopped. Ratcliffe, finally getting what he feels he deserves, attempts to kill Pocahontas, but is stopped by John Smith once again. Smith does everything to save her life, and of course, disarms Ratcliffe. Still holding a ton of anger, Ratcliffe will not surrender, and again tries to kill Smith almost succeeding. This time it's Rolf and Pocahontas who manage to stop him and tie him to the boat. Fed up with it all, John Smith cuts the rope and throws Ratcliffe overboard. Ratcliffe goes back to King James, who again does his best to lie about the entire situation once again. This time though, the king has had enough and has Ratcliffe arrested and thrown into jail, where he belongs. After a lengthy battle and hopefully some cleaning up, Pocahontas finally tells Rolf that it's time for her to go home. In her goodbyes, though, you can see that there is a bit of a tenderness, shall we say, between Rolf and Pocahontas. Being the bigger man, John Smith interrupts the two of them, letting the group know that he would love to set sail to new worlds, but would only do it as long as Pocahontas is with him. Knowing that there could be no one to fill his heart, Rolf leaves saddened. Pocahontas then comes back to John Smith, letting him know that the time they've had together was just that, time together, and it's time for them to part ways as well. They say their goodbyes, and Pocahontas heads back home. She believes there's no one left to fill her vacant heart, but it's soon revealed that Rolf was indeed on board, and they embrace, holding one another, similar to Titanic, but really not. A little bit frightened, Pocahontas does remind Rolf that he does still work for the king. He reminds her that he only works for the honor in his heart. Sunset, and so do our sailing lovers back to the new world. With most of the cast returning, or at least those who needed to return, we of course had David Ogden Stiers returning back as Governor Ratcliffe, our D-head John Kassir as Miko once again, Irene Bedard of course returns as the main character, Pocahontas, and the brother of Mel Gibson, reprising the role of John Smith. And newcomer Billy Zahn. Yes, once again, a Titanic reference comes back as John Rolfe. Now, where's April Wenchel, you may say? Ah, her voices are led throughout the entire film, being additional voices. Again, this was one of her early films working with the Disney company, so the main character stuff doesn't come until a little bit later. Now, of course, this is a made-for-DVD movie release back in 1998. It runs you about 72 minutes, and it still somewhat follows a historical idea, but yet gives it more of that fairy tale feeling. Now, we have already spoken 
not too long ago that Pocahontas and Pocahontas 2 were released on DVD and Blu-ray as a two-pack. What a wonderful way to pick it up. If you haven't picked it up yet, it's still on the shelves, not hidden in the vault yet, but may be coming there soon, so beware. Now, for those who hadn't listened to our previous podcast when it comes to Pocahontas, Pocahontas and Pocahontas 2, as I said earlier, have come together on a new Blu-ray pack where you can watch both of them simultaneously. Well, not simultaneously as at the same time, but you can watch them one after the other. When it comes to that, I have to say, the beauty of Pocahontas shines when you watch it on Blu-ray. When it comes to extras, well, we've already mentioned them within the Pocahontas podcast, but if you're just new to us here down at the vault, I'm going to give that to you once again. Extras for this Blu-ray include a Pocahontas audio commentary about the first film, drawing inspiration, the lost story of Hiawatha. This was to be a story about Hiawatha. It was actually going to be an animated feature, but did not happen. A deleted song, If I Never Knew You, and if you listened before, you already know this is one of my favorite songs that never made it to a Disney film. A short in regards to the music of Pocahontas, and of course it is very distinct and very, very soothing. Fifteen minutes of deleted scenes, mostly nine storyboards deleted from the movie. The short, Little Hiawatha, it is a silly symphony from 1937, which is actually one of probably in my top five of Silly Symphonies. And the Virtual Vault, giving you access to all little things that are in the Disney Blu-ray array. Is this Blu-ray worth it? Absolutely. The story comes alive having both Pocahontas and Pocahontas 2. Not that you need both to continue the story. However, it is nice to have it all together at one time. Plus, it saves space on the, on the wall here in the vault. You're not going to be disappointed. If you've loved Disney's first American princess, you're going to love her even more when she travels to the new world and discovers there's no place like home. The popcorn's empty and the curtain's coming down. It can only mean one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. If you haven't done so, watch Pocahontas 2 tonight, this weekend, whenever, but make sure that you catch it because April Winchell's voice lends that special spark to this film, along with the other great acting legends that are upon it. As I file this film back into the vault, I can't wait to see you again next week where we discuss another fine Disney film. Just remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. Everybody remembers how Pocahontas took us on a breathtaking adventure. Now the adventure continues in a brand new Walt Disney video premiere. A new epic chapter from the Pocahontas legacy. Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World. Join Pocahontas and all your favorite characters on their fun-filled adventure to the new world of England. It's an unforgettable story where you can meet their new friends and enjoy five wonderful new songs. Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World, a brand new feature-length movie, coming soon exclusively on video.
kitties, it's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Hello, D-Heads, and welcome to another Disney Multimedia by myself, Randy Rickard. Uh, there has been a lot of news this time around, since it's been pretty much dead for Disney Multimedia. So let's go ahead and jump in without any further delay. Now, as you already know, back in October of uh, the 30th of 2012, Disney already purchased Lucasfilms, um, and as well, all the assets to the rights and so on and so forth. And of course, they already announced that they will be working on Star Wars 7. Um, in ep- oh, sorry, Star Wars Episode 7 as well. They haven't released anything about 8 and 9, but that's f- legit for Star Wars. Now, just recently, this past month in April, um, after Disney purchasing the Lucas, they decided to shut down the, the video game development arts, which was the Lucas Arts. Um, Here's a statement from that was released from Disney. After evaluation, uh, after evaluating the, our position in the market, we decided to shift LucasArts from an internal development to a licensing model, minimizing the company's risk while achieving a broader portfolio of quality Star Wars games. As a result of this change, we had. Uh, layers off across the organization. We are incredibly appreciative and proud of the talents, a uh, talent teams who've been developing these new titles. Now, um, they also mentioned about the shutdown doesn't come as a surprise to the industry. Beyond the state of the Lucas Arts in recent years, like uh, which saw titles like Battlefront 3 was canceled in mint development, Disney hinted that the move been moving away from home consoles when it was uh, made during the Lucasfilm acquisition. Um, this also brings to the point of the feedback of Star Wars 13, 13, which was also intended to be a mature action title following the, uh, bounty, following the bounty Hunter character. Now, because of the closing and stuff, Disney again, the people who are creating this, it's pretty much up in the air, not really sure what was going on. The last game that was released under the LucasArts um, name was Connect Star Wars. Um, again, this is kind of shocking. Now, we're bringing up to the most recent news that was uh, today, I believe, um, on May 6th, with the future of the Star Wars video game was uncertain because of the decision to shutter the company, LucasArts. Now, um, they brought up that EA Games will be taking care of the um, Star Wars license. Now, again, only three developments are known as Battlefield 3, Dead Space, and Star Wars The Old Republic, as were the universe Star Wars. Now, EA's uh, Frank um, Gabiru said in the press release that the games will be entirely normal with all new stories and gameplay though they may borrow from the films. He added as a separate blog post that in a Frostbite 3 engine, which is the next powerful next generation titles like Battlefield 4, which will be behind every new Star Wars game. Now, the deal doesn't give EA the complete control of all Star Wars game titles. Disney will hold on to the rights to develop and publish titles in the in the mobile, social, tablet, and online gaming categories. Again, it's not clear if EA will pick up any work on the 
the previous tiles that Lucas Arch was working on before before the shutdown last month in April, which was Star Wars 1313. Now again, if we fast forward onto the new、um, release of today. For those who are playing with the Little Big Planet, which is on the PlayStation Network,、um, you'll be seeing some new items, which will be coming from Disney Tron Legacy.、Uh, the new carts will be part of the cycle coming out this week of May 6 of 2013. The Light Runner and the pair of the Lights、um, Light Cycles. Now, for those who are not aware of Little Big Planet, it actually was developed for the PlayStation 3 console back in 2008. Little Big Planet was also followed by a 2009 PlayStation Portable version under the same、um, manufacturer by、uh, Sony Creative. I'm sorry, Sony Computer Entertainment, Cambridge Studio. Now there is a sequel on the PlayStation 3、um, version, which was Little Big Planet 2, that was released in January 2011.、Um, Little Big Planet is based off of a puzzled platform video game series created by Media Molecule, and was published by the Sony com-、um, Computer Entertainment. Now, again, this was developed for all the PlayStation、um, devices as PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable with the PlayStation Little Portable thing, and PlayStation Vita. Now, this game is actually、uh, follows an adventure of a. Of Slack Boy and his large emphasis on gameplay rather than a story-driven, as we know of Disney. Now, with all the games in the series, put a strong emphasis on user-generated content, and based on the series tagline, play, create, and share. The tagline also represents the three core elements of the series: playing along with others online or on the same console. Creating new content using the in-game creation、uh, creation tools and sharing creations and discoveries online with other players.、Um, with this, this new、uh, Tron, you can actually add that to your gameplay, making also others like you mentioned the tagline. You play, you create, and share your experiences online. I think it's pretty cool that the Disney Tron Legacy is actually coming to、um, Disney. Um, for those who are aware, also on Disney XD,、um, we did see the Trying Legacy animated series, which also was didn't do so hot after the low performance of views from people tuning in and stuff.、Um, me personally, I thought the Trying Legacy platform series was doing really great.、Um, also refreshed from the old version, the original version of Tron. I it's again, yeah, as you know, it's a corporate move and stuff, and as well, if there's no viewers, then it's pretty much like dead, and it's kind of sad seeing the creative content of these guys working so hard, kind of losing steam. Well, again, this is the Disney Multimedia by myself,、uh, by Randy Rickard. Um, again, thank you for tuning in for this edition. You can cont- again listen to Disney or、uh, DisRadio.com. For all the latest news, podcasts, and stuff. Again,、uh, this is Randy Rickard signing off for Disney Multimedia. Until then, keep、uh, your ears tuned and eyes, and also your senses to what's around you on the latest Disney Multimedia. Until then, see ya.
So I'm back once again, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show for the week of May 15th, 2013 for show number 39. It truly has been an honor once again to bring all these shows to you each and every week. And I want to extend a very special thank you to the one and only, the iconic, the voice actress herself, April Winchell, for stopping in here this week at Disney On Demand. It truly was an honor speaking with you, talking about your career, and delving deep into what it takes to have these iconic roles. And we definitely look forward to this upcoming project hitting the small screen this fall. If all of you D-heads out there want to find out more about April, definitely check out her IMDb website or her official website at aprilwindchill.com. And you can also find all those links on our official website at dizradio.com. I'd also like to thank the D-team. That's right, I'd like to thank everybody that is part of the D-team that helps this show happen. From Aaron, Jamie, Jason, Lexi, and Randy, all of you stopping in here every single week to bring your signature segments and all of your fun here at Disney On Demand. You 
truly make the show fun. You bring something extra to all the D-heads, and without you, this show wouldn't be as special. Thank all of you, D-team, once again. And I'd like to thank all of you D-heads as well. Thank all of you for tuning in each and every week here at Disney On Demand and at DizRadio.com. You are the reason why we do this show, and we hope we can bring a little bit of that magic, the memories, and more with our new kind of Disney show. We do this show for you, and we hope we're delving into that little bit of nostalgia, that past, and that little bit of Disney that we all know and love and want to pass down to our children. Thank all of you for tuning in and all of your support here at Disney On Demand. Now, before I let you go here this week, we've had all kinds of fun as we're gearing up for show number 40 now. So before I let you go, I do want to leave you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can get all of our latest blogs, past shows, and more, and dig deep into the archives where you can hear all of our past shows and more. And that's at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. You can also stay connected all over the social media outlets on Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue. You can find us on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, and all over the social media outlets. Just search Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can also subscribe to our show in iTunes or on Stitcher Radio for your Droid, your iPhone, and more. Just search Diz Radio right there in the app, D-I-Z Radio, and subscribe right there and get our show fresh to your mobile device, in your iTunes, and more every time a new show comes out. You can also download our absolutely 100% free iPhone app. All you have to do is search Diz Radio in the store, download it absolutely free, and stay connected with our social media outlets, past shows, listen to shows, submit news, have videos, and all kinds of fun with our Diz Radio app. So all of you D-heads, as we let you go, all the different ways that you can stay connected, we have lots of fun things on the horizon, getting that much closer to reaching our 50th show. So as we gear up for show number 40 next week, I'm going to have a little bit of fun, have a little bit of recess of my own, and I think I might just go out and play kickball with the kids here today because it is a sunny, sunny day in April. Just really has me in that Miss Finster mode where I just want to get out on the playground and break some rules. So as I let you go, all of you D-heads, as always, never neglect family for business. Catch you next week, all of you D-heads, and I'll see you online. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.